Hey, what's going on everyone? Kyle here, the You Know I Got So and So in Stereo podcast is back. We've got Tom and Ed. And guys, before we get started, I just want to bring up a couple of points that um, happened to me over the weekend. Number one, I was at a WWE event, so I'm all riled up for this podcast. And secondly, I listened to the Chris Brown and Ray J mixtape. Woo, that was some hard, hot garbage. <laughs> If you have to admit that it's hot garbage, it's got to be the hottest of garbage because I wouldn't even let that thing grace my inbox. So I haven't even listened to it yet. Damn. But, I mean, we have a lot to talk about this week in uh, in R&B as usual. But, Tom, what's going on? You're a little quiet over there. I got something for Ed, actually. Hi, Ed. Uh, hi. <laughs> so... For those who don't know, Ed's been uh, doing album reviews for You Know I Got Soul for a few years now after he connected with us. He's got his own platform, obviously, Soul and Stereo. I had a question for Ed, though. Uh, this didn't come from one of the readers. This is coming from me, but have, have you ever in your career considered using a ghostwriter for your reviews? A ghostwriter? Let me tell you what my man Styles P said when it came to ghostwriters. He said that if someone's ghostwriting your rhymes, you might as well let them hold your microphone for you. So, Halea, no. If okay. somebody is writing it and it's an album review, it's from the master himself. Just making sure. You never know. Second point. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because... Yes. Not long ago, as Tom knows, there were a few people on these internets claiming that your boy was swiping their material. Player, there is only one. Only one soul in stereo. So, no. Fair Ain't enough. no clones out here. <laughs> Number two. <clears throat> so, which many of you don't see is behind the scenes, Kyle, Ed, and I uh, get into a lot of uh, heated exchanges from time to time. We all love R&B, but... We disagree on things, too. So I felt personally that people like the Internet, SZA, and Bryson Tiller should not even be mentioned on this podcast. Uh, so I'm putting it out to the fans. It, I, we'd like to take a survey. Do you want to hear artists like the Internet, SZA, Bryson Tiller, and trappy artists like that and atmospheric artists mentioned on these podcasts? Please leave your, leave your feedback in the comments. Wait, what about Lion Babe? I don't throw Lion Babe in that same category. Uh, honestly, well, no, I wouldn't either. Honestly, I wouldn't put Bryson Tiller in the internet in the same category. But, again, this is, uh, this is the fans' podcast, so I think that it's good for them to weigh in on what they like to hear. As I've said a billion times, there are different forms of R&B, so if there's a, a certain sound that they want to stick to, cool. If they want us to keep it broader, that's cool, too. So, it's in their hands. My prediction is that they're going to vote to keep them in. I'm just saying. <laughs> Wait, think- hold on. I just had a flashback. Earlier, did you say trappy or crappy artist? Hey, He said trappy. Down. Crappy trappy. Oh, okay. Okay. I, okay. I didn't say crappy. I, oh, I, I, I think that's you. what I said. I didn't diss anyone. Come on, guys. No, you know, the dissing is over here. That's in my corner. <laughs> All right, and one final note, and this is a more somber note. We had our final Soul Village R&B showcase this past Wednesday. You know I Got Soul has been a producer for the past five years or so, helping the, well, actually booking all the artists. So 
we're stepping away just to focus on other things. We weren't fired or anything. It's just time to move on. But it's been a great platform over the years for R&B artists, and uh, it's been a lot of fun to be a part of. So kind of sad to step away from that, but it'll keep going without us, and we'll still help out behind the scenes. So uh, that was this past Wednesday. So you were at one of those, Kyle. Well, I was. I was. It was fun. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, Tom, but it's funny because even though I am down in the South, I heard about the good things that were coming out of Soul Village just because I keep up with R&B and emerging artists. So when I connected with, you know, I got Soul and Tom and Kyle, it was kind of funny when I found out that Tom was one of the hands behind that. So I think I don't want him to downplay how big it was for, you know, I got Soul to coordinate and to help play a major role in making Sound Village what it was. So props to my man for keeping R&B alive by doing so much great work with that because he really put on some big artists that you now enjoy. He saw them when he was starting out. So props to my man for doing that. Appreciate that. And so I think sometime soon we're going to put out an article about just what, what, what went into the show behind the scenes and what it took to get all these artists together and even what's come from it some who have moved on to bigger and better things so stay tuned for that good stuff absolutely uh before i forget i want to give a quick r.i.p to prodigy of the group mob deep i know you guys really love mob deep uh what's your favorite songs by them oh man player i am a huge prodigy fan if you go to soul and stereo I have a kind of tribute album to him because I feel like Mob Deep and Prodigy are one of the most unsung artists in the history of hip-hop and R&B. So I have an article that talks about three reasons how Prodigy reshaped hip-hop and R&B. Yes, he reshaped both. So check that out and kind of a tribute of our man. I love Mob Deep. If you are a fan of 90s hip-hop, you gotta love Mob Deep. You gotta love Shook Ones. You gotta love all the songs they did with Lil' Kim and even the stuff that they did, the more controversial R&B stuff with 112 and kind of in the early 2000s. But the prodigy I love is he put out an album with Alchemist a couple years ago called Albert Einstein. Man, that album was so slept on. And I still listen to that album today. So if you are new to Prodigy, you've heard of him, you don't really know him outside of Shook Ones, go check out that Albert Einstein album. It is phenomenal. And I was just glad I had the chance to interview Mob Deep last year. I saw them perform live with a band here in New York City. So that was a cool moment. Got to meet Prodigy. And Ed, let me know if you... This is my favorite Prodigy solo song, Can't Complain, from his debut. Do you know it? Oh, play. Oh, I know it. I know it and well. You know why I love it so much? It actually makes me feel like I get the vibe of New York City. It just plays it out for me. It feels like summer in New York City. And I just that's what makes me love it. It's a great track. Man, Prodigy is just... Hip-hop really took a blow when we lost him at such a young age. So props to Prodigy. Props to Havoc. Big fan of both. We really have lost a trailblazer. Can I just add one thing? I mean, I've seen the tributes pouring in, but this is why I'd, I'd love to see us tribute these artists and celebrate them while they're still here. I mean, nowadays, so often we see people almost hate on people for quote-unquote falling off. Why don't we just celebrate the greatness that they you know, left behind while they're still here and celebrate them. I just wish we could do that more often and not wait till they're gone. 
Absolutely right. And I wrote about that as well in my Flashback Friday when I featured some Mob Deep and Prodigy songs. I hate how, especially in hip-hop, the hip, R&B gets it a little bit, but definitely in hip-hop, there's this mentality of once an artist puts, I don't know, five or six years in, they're old and they need to be pushed aside and they're washed up and they fell off. A lot of these artists, they set the groundwork for what you're listening to today. So don't take it for granted. They helped build this. And they're still putting out good stuff. So don't wait until they're gone to start tweeting about how great they are. They need the love now. Well, let me ask you, sorry, not to hijack this whole podcast, but do we ourselves need to do a better job of that? I mean, like, I I remember we were maybe making fun of people like Mariah recently. But Mariah is like one of the all-time legends of of R&B and music in general. Should we maybe be a little easier sometimes on these artists? I'm looking no, at, I think there's I'm looking a line. at you, Ed. I think, <laughs> oh, look right at me. And I think that there's a line because as hard as I can be on Mariah for her current misgivings, I'll be the first one to talk about how great her albums were. I'll be the first one to talk about how legendary she is. I'll write articles all over the place about her early work, her work even in more recent years has been overlooked. But there's a difference between celebrating and standing. So you know me. If you show some love and some work, I'll be the first one to sing your praises. If you do something whack, I'm going to say you did something whack. So there's a line. But no one can say that I can disrespect Mariah because I'm one of her biggest fans as well. But if Mariah screw up, I'll be the first one to say it. But again, show love. Just don't be blind. I think there is a balance there to break it down into like the simplest forms like if we take our podcast for example the first half of our podcast will slander you for whatever you're doing but the second half when we get into the hall of fame we'll start celebrating it's like exactly. the, the gift, gift and the curse <laughs> right Fair enough. and we only criticize not it's not like some of these twitter trolls out here to criticize because they have nothing else to do most of the time it's out of love we want these artists to be better so, of course, I'm going to give TLC a little bit of drama if their singles are shaky. But if they drop some heat, I'll be the first one to be like, get out there and cop this new album. All right. Speaking of TLC, um, they are releasing their album next week. The time has finally come. We've talked about them to great extent over the last couple of months. They dropped a new music video for their song, Haters. That's not a very good song. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Again, we're saying this out of love. But, hey, it's cool that they're finally ready to you know, put out the album. I know they're going on tour next month. What are we expecting from TLC? Like, last album came out a long time ago. So, what are we expecting on this album? player can you re- i think that last album came out in like 0203 can you imagine how there's a whole different audience like a whole different generation of fans listening to music now there are fans who did not start listening to r&b until after that album came out that is insane so it's it's hard for an artist for an artist like tlc that is so established and so legendary to come back we saw this with jodeci we see it with mariah we see it with so many because you always have those classics hanging over your head and to be honest they probably aren't going to reach that level so i don't expect 
crazy sexy cool 2017 i just want something good that's all i want something that i can enjoy and listen to and kind of reminds me of the old tlc sound i mean if you want to push it forward too that'll be appreciated but something that is like this is the tlc i remember them singles though are not giving me much hope so we will see in just a few days how strong this will be but player i'm nervous well, I'm sorry to ask this question because I know it was probably uh, mentioned in the Kickstarter campaign somewhere, but who's getting the profits from the album sales? Does that go back to the people who contributed? Oh, oh no. Please. So, <laughs> so hold on a second. So they got the album funded for free, and now they also get to benefit with the sales of the album. I mean, that's how a Kickstarter works. Like, you put in, you contribute money to it, and then to help a project, you don't get any residuals off of that yourself. So, yep, that's probably how it's going to work out. Well, think about how a label works. So, a label usually puts the money up for an artist, but then the artist has to pay the label back. So, why wouldn't it be the same thing here? Because it ain't a label, and we aren't as organized as a label. A label knows how to pimp the game. All right. I'll stop. Well, I do, I do, <laughs> I get what you're saying, but I think that TLC has found a loophole here. Fair enough. Let's just hope they deliver. Yeah, Tom, you're... Well, do they have the deliverables for if you like you pledge a certain amount on this or? Well, first off, Tom, you're not getting any publishing from this album. <laughs> um, I didn't contribute. <laughs> Who said I contributed? I don't know. You're sounding like you contributed, but. What did you ask if they're able to deliver a no, like, album? Is that what you said? No, no. Um, I don't know if it's Kickstarter or maybe it was another funding thing where if like you pledge a certain amount, you get like say a signed CD or something. Like they give rewards for whatever. I think they. I think they did do that. Okay, if I just remember correctly. Yeah. Got it. They're not all bad. Well, it just always rubbed me the wrong way. Like it's like donating to a rich person. You know, like it just doesn't. I don't know. Well, I mean, but I think one thing, you're looking at this like 1995 TLC. I'm not even sure saying donating to a rich person is fair. The reason why they probably had this Kickstarter is because they couldn't afford to put out the album that fans demand. Again, we're talking about a legendary group, and that commands legendary money. They might not have been able to scramble those kind of coins together. So perhaps... This is what they could do to deliver the quality of music that their fans are going to demand. I mean, this is all speculation. I have not talked to T-Boz or Chip. But, from what I've heard, them dollars did not help out by the current singles. (laughs) Well, that's the next question. I don't mean to be nitpicky. We love TLC. But what if the music is not to the standard that you expect now after we all paid for it? Well, not us, but the people. Yeah, because I ain't paid for that. But um, that's where we come in, and that's where I'm a little shaky here. Because if you, if I'm a person that put up money for this Kickstarter, expecting greatness, and I get something that sounds like my um, little cousin recorded it on their um, Dell, <laughs> I'm going to be feeling some type of way. But, again, I think all of this is kind of speaking a little too early. Next week, we can probably have a stronger conversation about this once we've heard the product. But like I said, those singles are not moving. Well, we'll, well start I mean, getting there. The, I think the other, ad, well, the other aspect of it, guys, is you're not only paying for, 
for them and funding for the music, but you're paying for the experience. Like imagine seeing your favorite artist back on the mainstream, back on the radio, back doing interviews, back on tour. Like there's a nostalgic factor to that. Like I would pay a million dollars right now to see Ashanti back on top. I don't have a million dollars. Oh my dollars, God. So I can't do that, but man, would that be awesome? Yeah, but here's my counterpoint. We're seeing less successful and less legendary artists do this on their own. Why couldn't TLC have done this on their own and be on the radio and be on, you know, in interviews and all that? I don't, don't just, doesn't sit right with me. No, and I, and I can't even blame you. I can't give you a hard time for it because your questions are legit. And, but to talk to Kyle's point, there is a group of fans out there, a rabid fan base that's like, I want this TLC album to happen, and if I throw in $5 that I would have spent on some Arby's fries to do that, cool. I mean, it's your money, do you. But from my aspect, from reviewer Ed, who just wants to hear good music, I don't want y'all money to be wasted if you come out with some garbage. So, I don't know, player. We'll see. Yep. And another album that's going to be coming out, and it goes hand-in-hand hand with their unsung episode, Jagged Edge. I don't know if I brought that up last week, but they're, on, they're ready to release a new album, which I don't really like the, the release of this album. Releasing it at the same time as their unsung episode, I think Case did that, right, Tom? Yeah, well, Case put out the EP. It was like a three-song EP. Um, but you were the one who told me about this Jagged Edge album, and uh, like we didn't get any notification on it. They just put up an Instagram post saying, new album coming. If you don't F with this album, you're deaf or something like that. Remember that? <laughs> yep. That was ridiculous. I think they deleted that part, in fact. I think people were upset. But I, wow. I don't know. I actually think, honestly, though, I think it's an okay idea. An EP might have worked better. Uh, but I know what they're trying to do, but I don't know if it's going to work for an album. We'll, we'll see, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I... I'm not mad at them for capitalizing on the eyes that will come on because when you hear those unsungs come out, people just go rushing to iTunes to download stuff because there's a whole new fan base. Not hardcore R&B fans like us that's already got the whole discography, but fans who were fans and haven't heard in a long time. They're like, oh man, let me get Promise. I forgot about Promise. Let's get married. Let me download that Keys to the Ring. So... If there's a new product there, that's a great way to put fans on. However, to Tom's point, if you're going to rush out a whole, I don't know how long this album is, 16-track album, just for the sake of you're on TV one of all places, player, you setting yourself up. I like Case's idea better of dropping a tight EP to keep your name out there and build buzz for whatever next project is dropping as opposed to sinking your load in some whole project that has not gotten any promotion at all. If if the three of us have not heard of it, I'm guarantee you that the normal R&B fan ain't heard Jack. Because we keep our ears on these internet streets. I have a, I have a serious question here. Um, as R&B experts, just like you guys are, is it concerning at all that their album cover doesn't actually have a picture of them on it? Meaning... If they didn't even take the time to put them on the cover, does that mean that the album will be trash? I'm just asking. I mean, again, it just shows that this is a rush job. Because if they couldn't get together to take a freaking selfie on Instagram to put up for their cover, 
what is this album gonna sound like? Is it gonna look like that um, Lifesaver TLC cover? Because they aren't on the cover of that either. Uh, you know what though, Ed? Some some classic albums did come to mind when I think of an artist not being on the cover. So I don't want like to say what? Maxwell's Urban Hang Suite. Oh, I believe that Boys to Men 2 album that Kyle for yeah. some reason does not think is a classic has no faces on it. That's yeah. my theory is coming true. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to write off that Jagged Edge album as well. Uh, <laughs> listen, this you guy. go listen to Ashanti Chapter 2. Her face is on it, and that ain't helped that stat, that to no classic status at all. Oh boy. You might be right. <laughs> well. Um. Um, another album that actually came out last week was Stokely's from Mint Condition. He finally put out his solo, solo album after many, many years. Ed's already proclaiming Levels to be like the greatest song of the year. So, Ed, what are your thoughts on the album? Yeah, I don't know if Levels is song of the year yet, but it's probably in a combo. I gotta sit down and weigh my options there. I like the album. As I said in my review, go to soulandstereo.com, check out the review. Um, it's an album that wasn't quite what I expected. If you listen to the singles, you had Level and a few others that sounded like classic Mint Condition songs. And then you had the song featuring Wale, was it Way Up, that sounded nothing like it and did not work for me at all. And the album is kind of just a mix of sounds. But unlike the Latoya album that was a little kind of similar in the construction, I think it flowed a lot better than hers did. And it showed his musical diversity without going off the rails. So I was very impressed. It wasn't the vocal showcase that you thought. It wasn't the mint condition part two that you might think. But it stands on its own as a pretty solid album. And I think of all the releases of the year so far, it's probably, it's definitely in the top ten. Probably top five. Hmm. Now, Tom, is Levels one of the songs of the year? And we're going to get into the songs of the years and or, or at this point uh, in a bit. But, man, it was a funny, <laughs> it was a funny thing that Tom had said on, uh, on, our, on our BBM chat earlier yesterday when Ed proclaimed that, uh, that uh, Stokely song was song of the year. Ed, Tom, what did you say? It was pretty funny. What, wait, what did I say? Levels is the song of the year, and I'm the drunk one. Oh my goodness! <laughs> he he did say that, unfortunately. Yeah. What was I even talking about? I must have been on one. You, yeah, you are always on one. <laughs> when the rim is in the system, ain't no telling. Oh boy. But uh, oh but boy. um, I think that his point was that there were stronger songs of the year. We shall see because, as we'll talk about in a little while, it's kind of been an up and down year for the genre. There's been some good stuff, but it's been a whole lot of mediocre stuff. Well, let's get into the mediocre stuff and the good stuff. So we're here to talk about some of the albums that we've really liked up until up until this point. Um, a lot of albums came out this year, a lot more than I thought came out, but then Tom just sent me a list and there were a handful of albums that came out. Guys, let's start off. What is an album to you that stands out immediately that came out this year? Because for me, 
it would probably be the Kevin Ross album. That was the one that I really liked, but I'm curious to hear what you guys think first. Well, let's let Ed do his thing. I'll chime in after, but I know Ed, since he's listening to everything except for, I think, one or two. Ed, you, let's hear yep. yours. Yeah, I've looking at this list, I've listened to probably about 80% of the albums that have dropped this year. I still haven't heard Molly music. I don't know why I'm tripping on that, so I've got to get Molly in my ears pretty soon. Also, for those who didn't know, Tito Jackson had an album this year, and that hasn't crossed my iPod yet either, so that's coming up soon. But the standout album to me so far, believe it or not, is Avery Sunshine. I thought her album was extremely strong, and it's one of those albums that just it came out, it got a little bit of buzz for a couple of days, and just no one ever mentioned it again, and that is a travesty. If you are listening to this podcast, if you say you're a fan of R&B, and I'm not talking about you're a fan of Bryson Tiller, I say the fan of R&B, then you need to go do yourself a favor and check out Avery Sunshine's new album. That was an outstanding release. Um, Mary J's album I thought was pretty good. I know the response to that has been a little mixed, to say the least. Um, I, I think the strong songs are definitely strong. The weaker songs kind of bring it down a bit but overall i thought it was still a pretty solid release i agree with kyle i think kevin ross is a great release that one was for a debut especially showed a lot of growth and maturity for someone so young that was a great one and then they're just uh, but beyond that it's just kind of like oh leela james she was another great release this year too but beyond that it's just been some okay stuff latoya's album was pretty solid not great but solid same thing for the faith and biggie kind of duo album has some really great tracks but then some really weak stuff mixed in between and that's kind of been the story of most albums this year really good songs a couple of bad songs but a whole lot of eye stuff and unfortunately that makes the album just okay bbd was another album that kind of fell into that trap and it's a little disappointing. Mac Wiles, LaPorsche Renee, that's another one. Trey Songs. I actually like that album a lot more than I expected. But again, it was just okay overall. So I would hope going forward that R&B would just kick it into another gear and not just give us two or three songs, sing- two or three strong singles and a bunch of album filler. But give us a complete project. Avery Sunshine did it. Charlie Wilson did it. I forgot to mention him. Charlie did it. We heard from Stokely. He did it. So there have just been so far a few releases far in between that gave us a complete project that I really like. I got to mention the uh, DJ. Sorry, Kyle. Hold on. Mm -hmm. You go ahead. You go ahead. I got to mention the DJ Jazzy Jeff chasing Goosebumps album, which had Glenn Lewis... uh, Singing, I really like that one. Uh, I thought that was a really unique project and solid overall. Ed, you must check that one out. I want to hear your opinion. Yeah, that one. I want to get that one on my list too. I have not heard that yet. Go ahead, Kyle. And a notable, notable omission from the list that Tom sent us was her EP. Was that on purpose, Tom? Well, I heard both of you say it wasn't even that good. So you just didn't and add you it to would the be list. Right. <laughs> Well, uh, something Terry, tells me if I gave that thing five stars, I think Tom would forget to put that one on the list. But well, in this case, again, it was just kind of underwhelming. Are we counting five song EPs against full length albums, though? 
I don't, and that's why I don't. And you know, fans often ask why I don't review EPs. And until last year, I never even put EPs and mixtapes in my year-end wrap-up because I think it's unfair for Eric Roberson to put out, you know, six songs of that and put that up against a sixteen-song album. It's a different listening experience. So there you have it, Kyle. I win. Fair enough. Oh, quick note about her. So uh, we had been talking over the last couple of podcasts about what it's going to be like when she performs live. Well, the results are in because uh, she performed at the BET Experience. And guys, we still don't know who it is. I mean, we know who it is, but you can't actually <laughs> see her. Uh, the stage is all, it's, it's dim lights, it's dark. I think there's like smoke going everywhere. Um, so you can't really see her face. And I think she's wearing sunglasses as well. Um, I saw another clip that she where she was playing the guitar, so that was pretty cool. How'd she sound Again? live, though? Is that no? She can sing. No, I mean, uh, what was cool was, uh, like, a lot of her songs are very slow and moody. She kind of mixed it up a little bit, and, like, instead of having just, like, an instrumental playing in the back, she would play it with the guitar or with keys. So it was a different experience than the actual, like, song itself so i can see that she's trying to mix it up but it's going to be tough to do that for each song like you're going to have to stick to some of because that's that's my biggest complaint sometimes with um with artists who perform live when they deviate too much from the song itself where it doesn't even become recognizable anymore so it is a very tough thing to balance but i mean so far she's doing a pretty good job of it well, see, we've talked about this before. When she and other artists continue to put out releases, it's just all this melancholy, moody stuff. You can't sit through a hour, hour and a half performance of that. Like, that's torture. So, unfortunately, what she's going to have to do is mix it up. And then, to your point, it becomes unrecognizable. The songs that you like don't even sound like that song anymore. So, you're like, okay, what is this? And that's why... I keep saying that for her to evolve, she can't keep lingering on this gimmick. She needs to take it up a notch, take it to a new level, take it in another direction. If she keeps playing in the smoke and releasing smoky EPs from now until 2020, the bloom will fall off the rolls mad quick. So she's got to take it to another gear pretty soon. I remember when... uh when I had seen Usher live um, a couple of years ago, he performed Love in This Club, but he like turned it into like a salsa, Latin vibe song, and it felt like it was Taco Tuesday, and I didn't even recognize the song. So Taco Tuesday. I don't want any. I don't want any of that. Uh, but back on track here. <laughs> back on track. So a lot of albums came out. Tom, what were some of your standout songs? Yeah, I've got songs a bunch that here. Might not even be on the albums right now. Um, so, for sure, one of my favorite artists who Ed hates every single week is uh, Music Soul Child. He put out the single <laughs> Simple Things. You guys like that one? It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Oh, boy. It was okay. I actually <laughs> like the, uh, the other single he has out right now, Start Over, I think it's called. Yeah. I thought that was pretty solid. I liked Don't Go by Kevin Ross. That's easily one of my favorites this year. It's a great yep. one. Um, you and Me, Love Lesson by Mary J. That's one I really like, too, from her album. Um, a, co- a couple songs on the Chasing Goosebumps album I'm not going to mention because neither of you guys bothered to even listen. 
against my recommendation. <laughs> I liked um, Daly's single with Jill Scott, Until the Pain is Gone. I thought it was cool. Oh, yes. I totally forgot about that. That's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, Faith Evans had a, a few good songs. I, I, I liked her song. I think it was Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to see what else. Molly Music's Gonna Be Alright. I like that one a lot. That was right right up his alley, that inspirational tone. That was a really solid song. Uh, Kyle, do you have any in mind? Gonna give that a, well, are you going to give that Lettucey high track that he loved? Not this time, <laughs> unfortunately. We're going to slowly... I'm going to slowly inch, inch you into calling it a classic. We're oh, almost boy. <laughs> you got a lot of inching to do to, for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, I really like yeah. I really like that uh, that song that Latoya and Ludacris put out on the album. Uh, what is it? Oh, called? In the Gray. Yes. In the Gray, yes. I, I haven't heard that yes. album in a minute, but I need to go back and listen to that song because I remember really, really liking it. Yeah, um, I've, I've downloaded that song. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is there? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good songs out there. Um, just kind of wish the albums were a little better, but definitely there are some good songs. There's a couple on Trey's album that I liked as well. Um, Tamar Braxton, my man. That I mean, Ed, can can I can I just ask you this? And I don't want any any of the Tamarians to hate me, but is it me or does Tamar over sing a lot? I've, I'm starting oh. to notice that. Now you find this is the moment, ladies and gentlemen, when our young Kyle grows into a man. Yes, that chick does too much over singing and it ruins the song. And don't get me wrong, I like the song, I like my man. But one reason why I think you might remember a couple months ago, I did a list of the best female vocalists in the game right now. And you know, the Tay Martians were high. Where is Tamar? Your list. Is wrong because there is no Tamar. No, I didn't forget Tamar. Tamar does way too much over singing and it hurts her overall performance because she can sing, she has a great voice, but sometimes you gotta dial that thing back. And Beyonce was one of the biggest offenders too until four or five years ago she learned to calm down in that booth. So that's something Tamar needs to learn because My Man is a great song, but it could have been a classic. If she won't yelling and screaming so much on it. No, I 100% agree. Like, you know what? I feel like she's the type of artist on this song, especially. It's like she's trying to show us what she can do. And for the most part, she executes it, but it's just not needed for that song. Right. Every yeah. song needs a certain delivery. And you can't go all out balls to the wall on every single song. As much as I love Lil Mo, she has a problem with that, too. Like, you have to know when to belt and when to rein it in because every song is a story in itself and you don't scream every story that you're telling to your child before they go to bed because they ain't going to sleep so you know make sure that the tone matches the story mm-hmm. now um i mean i don't want to get too off track but i just forgot about another album that came out um last week I don't think you guys are aware of this, but DJ Khaled put out his album, Grateful, and we got into this conversation. Oh, I'm aware of it. Well, I'm asking you guys, Tom, you help me out here. How is it that he has so many features on his album, yet none of the songs are actually good? I love how you're asking me this question, like I've ever taken the time to listen to any of the songs. 
You're the music expert. <laughs> well, I gave my opinion in our, in our group chat. I said, well, first of all, I always wonder, what is his role in the overall creation of the music? So I figured, okay, he just brings these people together. Maybe he has some input in the background. But I figured they're not trying very hard, because what incentive do they really have to try that hard? Most likely, it's not going to be a single, right? He only has a couple of singles, so... You know, these all-stars, what is their incentive to really make their best material? Well, it's kind of like... It's, it's It depends on the level of the artist. Because I haven't heard this most recent album in full. Because the album is freaking 90 minutes long and like 25 tracks long. And I would rather spend my time reviewing Stokely, something I want to hear, than something that's the length of a Harry Potter movie. So I will get to Khaled when I get to it. But I've heard some of the songs. And I think here's the problem. You have the big name artists like Beyonce and Jay-Z and blah, blah, blah. They're going to perform and those are going to be singles. But this isn't their album. So like Tom said, they're going to deliver in half speed because they're not giving away all that good stuff to a freaking Khaled. But then they are, the albums also feature up and coming artists. And they're going to be hungrier and they're going to go a little bit harder. I reviewed his album from last year, Major Key. And the best songs had the unknown people on it because they knew this was their chance to shine. And, of course, those songs weren't singles because they were unknown. So that's the kind of struggle with that. You'll have songs with Drake that'll get all the airplay that are god-awful because he sounds like he's half asleep even more so than usual. Then you got the youngins who are really giving it their all, but they're kind of going to get lost in the shuffle. So... That's why these kind of mega all-star albums just don't really work. They always work in theory, kind of as a... Think of it like a summer blockbuster. You go see Transformers, and you'll see it because stuff is blowing up, and it's cool, and looks cool, and hey, all these stars are on screen at once. But there's no substance there. And that's kind of what's going on with this. Can I make a comparison? You know, I'm a 90s hip-hop fan, so... I know you remember these, Ed. DJ Clue, The Professional, Volume 1. and Oh, yes. The Rough Riders album, Volume 1. So, compare yep. Khalid to these other two. Well, and here's the way you have to compare it. Because if you look at Rough Riders, Volume 1, that one was actually pretty good. Because it was tight and they were at the top of their game. But by the time you got to Volume 4... It was kind of shaky because it's for what we said. There'd be one good single and then just a bunch of stuff from up-and-coming Rough Rider artists who you never heard of again. And stars who were just giving you album throwaways just to hook up Swiss Beats or whoever's putting the project together. So, usually the first one of the set, like the professional, I remember really liking that one. But by the time we got to professional two and three, it was... Uh, it's almost like they're fulfilling contractual obligations. Yeah. And Khaled is very popular, especially on Snapchat with his little baby and stuff. So, yay, <laughs> he's got a baby and it's cute. But don't go on this album thinking that you're going to get something of substance. Nope, I fell into that trap. I saw a song with Alicia Keys on there and Ed's favorite female rapper, Nicki Minaj. Ooh, Alicia oh, my lord. Alicia Keys does not sound too good on that album, ladies and gentlemen. Well, she's probably the suckiness of Nicky Garbage is probably rubbing off on her there. 
But Alicia's vocals been struggling too lately. But don't get me to throwing slander. I'm behaving, Tom. I'm behaving. Didn't yeah, they didn't have a timeless us. collaboration once before, though, those two? Girl on Fire? Yeah. <laughs> I was joking. What you I call know. timeless, I call out of time. <laughs> well, actually, that reminds me. Uh, someone commented on Alicia Keys' vocals on Instagram and Swiss Beats clapped back. So I'd be careful if I were you guys. I've been clapped back at by the best player. Bring it on. I didn't say Wait anything. Wait till I review these BET awards later tonight. Swiss, this is Tom from You Know I Got Soul. I didn't say anything. That wasn't, that <laughs> oh wasn't me. Oh, my gosh. Swizzy. We love Anyways, you. Uh, Here comes Mr. Backpedal. Tom will throw it in reverse so quick. Actually, that reminds me, before we switch topics, um, if we're talking about De- DJ Khaled with all these all-star lineups, I think Diddy did a pretty good job of that on in, in the last decade with press play and uh, the Dirty Money Project. He brought some all-stars together. Player, please. <laughs> listen, now, I, now listen. Come on. Now we're getting all off the R&B track, but you're getting me fired up. Listen, player. Diddy is, a, and again, is in the same boat as the rest of them. His first little collabo album, great, because he was at the top of his game. By the time we got album two and three, hot garbage. Press play was good, but if you look at the sequence, that was like number four or five on the list. Man, people love giving Puffy the pass. Oh. Anyway, we're going to have to move on to another topic because it's getting too heated. And speaking of heated, is it time to get into our Hall of Fame, guys? Yes, it is. It's about that time, and you got my blood pressure up, so oh, who man. knows how this is going to go. This one is this one's gonna be a controversial one. This one comes from our from our fan. Um, it's actually someone that uh, does a lot more for us than uh, we think. Darius Tom, I think his name is. Yeah. He uh, wanted us to nominate Janet Jackson. Who I mean, oh. who doesn't know Janet Jackson? Probably one mm. of the most recognizable names in music. Period. Um, related to Tito Jackson, who we mentioned earlier on the podcast. Oh. What? Well, That's how you introduce her? <laughs> a relative uh, yes. of Tito Sister Jackson. Sister of Tito Jackson. <laughs> oh my That's God. now her name. Uh, also related to one Michael Jackson who uh, passed away actually today, eight years ago, if I remember correctly. Wow. Um, really? I think That's I saw, I think I saw that on Instagram a while ago. I could be wrong, but anyways. No, you're right. I do my research. Uh, most recently put out her album. The album name is Escaping Me. Ed, help me out. Oh, my goodness. Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Player. There you go. Uh, uh, what kind of research is this man? Anyway, go ahead. I'm on one. Just but um, the research. So she put out Unbreakable, but she was supposed to go on her tour and prove that she was breakable because she didn't actually go on the tour um, or a lot of the tour. But she's back on tour now, uh, starting again in a couple of months. But when we look at her discography, guys, is she in the Hall of Fame? Because let me tell you guys this. I don't even know if she's an R&B artist. And Tom will probably be be hitting that point to the end. But we'll start with you, Ed. Is Janet Jackson in the Hall of Fame? Oh, my gosh. Of course you're going to put a brother on the spot with this one. Here's the trouble with Janet. And... Here's why I get, and I don't want to get on my soapbox, but you know, I live on my soapbox, so get ready. Like, the one of the things that I struggle with when we have these conversations online with R&B fans about who's R&B and who isn't, is that we love to pick and choose. And 
We love to claim that Janet is R&B. Janet is a pop artist who has put out R&B albums, which is fine. That's cool. I have no. I'm not gonna shun someone for that. Just like I don't shun Adele and some of those other ones, but that's another combo for another time. So here's the struggle with Janet. She is not an R&B artist overall. She's a pop artist, but the albums that she has put out that are under the R&B banner, Janet is an R&B album. Velvet Rope is an R&B album. And her influence from those albums and through other songs throughout her career has been so strong and done so much for future R&B acts and the genre itself. I'm going to say yes, but it's a very tentative yes. It's not a slam dunk because I think it's you have to keep in mind that she is not an R&B artist. And boy, y'all going to light up my mentions. But if you're going to complain about so-and-so and yada yada not being an R&B artist, Janet's not. She's a pop artist who puts out R&B records occasionally. Same as Michael. Same as Prince. You can't change the rules because they're your favorite. So I'm going to say yes just because of the influence of the couple albums she had and the singles that she had on the overall genre. But it's a very tentative yes. I can easily be convinced. No. Uh, I'm going to say no, but only because of the reasons you just stated. Although, <clears throat> I will say her she has this compilation, Design of a Decade, 1986 to 1996. And oh, if you think about well. the you know, massive amount of hits just on that, who could even match? I can't think of another artist who can really match that. So to me, that just no, shows her greatness. not a female artist, especially. And that's not even all encompassing of her career. That's just the, that one ten-year period. So, and I love that the, that period of her career. But it's just like, but on the other side of the coin, when I listen to that album, half of these are pop songs. So it's really hard for me right. to put her in the R and B Hall of Fame. So I guess I have to think about has she done enough as an R and B artist to warrant Hall of Fame consideration? And I'm going to say no. I can't be mad. They're going to be mad, but I can't be mad. Yep. I'm going to give you my answer. It's once on I, you, Kyle. Well, I'm going to give you my answer once I reason my, with myself on this one. So here's my thing. As you guys have already mentioned, I mean, she has put out R&B songs, and a lot of those R&B songs have been good, but the majority of her discography has been pop, and I feel like mm-hmm. putting Janet Jackson into the Hall of Fame with that in mind will open up the doors of future nominations such as a Bruno Mars who's sort of following that path. Do we agree or disagree on that? No, I agree on that. I mean, it's too early for him to be in the Hall of Fame, but I agree. I see what you're saying. Yeah, so if we're going to... It's a tough one because we've already had this discussion about artists who we didn't put into the Hall of Fame and Tom got really upset at, uh, about it, and they put out R&B songs for their whole career. And here Janet comes, puts out three R&B albums in her in her whole discography. It's tough. Like, here's my thing: if we're talking about the discography of Janet, I'm gonna say no for the Hall of Fame. But when we look at the impact, and I mean, impact is important as well. It's how Neil got into the Hall of Fame. Um, we're still going to go back and debate that one, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are? <laughs> I don't know. So, okay, so... Dis- no. Anyway, go ahead. So, discography is a no. 
impact is a yes. But the fact that you guys didn't put Chris Brown into the Hall of Fame, I'm going to have to go with no as well, unfortunately. Oh, my God. Thank goodness. You were about to open up the doors for Rihanna to get into the Hall of Fame if you said yes. Oh, please. Not on my watch, player. I'm serious. We would have had to consider Rihanna in here. No, no. We might still need to consider Rihanna. It's a tough one, though. Please somebody tell me... If someone can tell me three R&B Rihanna songs, then we can have a combo. She ain't even worth... Now, that's someone who should never be mentioned on this podcast. Please. <laughs> Wait. Let's let the va- the fans decide on that one. If Rihanna has... No, I'll decide for him. No. If Rihanna has more than five BET awards, she's getting into the Hall of Fame. I'm counting right now. Clear, I got two BET awards probably that I haven't picked up yet. Oh, Listen, Ed, you're... Hold on. Ed- Ed, you're getting out of hand. You're about to catch these hands. Uh, the results oh, are in the Oh, my God. Now they're st- <laughs> Listen, now they're stealing, they're stealing my catchphrases, players. Oh. Copyright infringement. Uh, the results are in for Rihanna. She does actually have five uh, BET awards. She's going to be talk- talked about. BET Sorry, awards? Oh, BET is we're using- the representation of R&B artists, isn't it? What? It's not. Oh. Anyways. Ed, Ed, is it? Clay, I'm still over here steaming about the use of hand throwing. That is illegal. <laughs> that is mine. Jeez. Well, all let's... Right, uh, can, let, can, can we I bring it all mine? back first? Let's, let's bring Go it ahead. all back. So Janet Jackson is not in the R&B Hall of Fame. She is in the Music Hall of Fame. Let's put it out there. So... Yep. All, like that's not even debatable but as far as r&b we're gonna have to work on that one but we're gonna have a a review period coming in i think august where we'll bring them all back music soul child ashanti chris brown everyone's coming back tyrese ed do you have anyone that you need to bring back player this is not the walking dead you can't bring back these zombie corpses back for the r&b you're out you're out oh we can't do that all right well August is going to be like the Royal Rumble of R&B. We're just going to bring them all back, see who gets thrown out first, redo it all. No, I, t- I got an idea. So, <laughs> Music Soul Child might be out, but why don't you introduce The Hustle or Purple Wonder Love? It's like oh how Mick Foley goodness. used to do it with Dude Love and Cactus Jack. Yeah, when he comes out of the Royal Rumble, so we throw out music, and then he comes back later as Purple Wonder Love, and then we throw him out, and then the hustle comes back. But he gets thrown out three times regardless. I mean, where I really messed up was when I should have put music in the voting when Ed was away for those two weeks. He would have definitely slipped through the back yeah. door then. And now look who we have look there. At you look at who we have. We have Cape H. Town in there and Christopher Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, can I just give mine for real? All right, all right, go for it. All right, mine Please is do. mine is Eric Benet. Do Ooh. I need to do an introduction or something? You do. Yes, make uh, your case, player. Uh, Ex uh, husband of Halle Berry. Uh, used to have braids. Has a <laughs> very good falsetto. Hmm. So, what do you guys think? Player, can we talk about his actual catalog of music and not his performing on stage with bare feet and he cheated on? All right, all right. Uh, 
I'm just throwing the name. I'm not saying he's a definite yes, but um, he's kind of been an R&B, uh, probably one of the top artists since the mid-90s, I'd say, for R&B, and has really been consistent, managed to maintain his level of success. Like when a lot of his peers were fading, he was still putting out stronger material in the 2000s, well, especially in recent years. He's He's been able yeah. to tour. He's one of the best performers I've seen for R&B, bare feet or not. And uh, he's got a whole <laughs> bunch of hits. I don't, personally, I don't think he's done enough. However, I'd say he's one of the few who is still building that resume and still adding valuable pieces to it to where at some point he could still be getting in. Ed? So, I think Tom made a good... Well, not necessarily a case, but a good rundown of his career. And Eric Benet, in my estimation, is one of the most underrated artists on all of R&B. Not only one of the most underrated voices. I remember, again, when I put him on my list of top male R&B vocalists, people were like, Eric Benet? Eric Benet? I was like, have you listened to Eric Benet perform? Have you heard him recently? He's Salcedo is fantastic. He's a phenomenal performer. All his albums are great. And most of them just... It's weird. Besides the single with Tamiya, he never really got that shine that he had. Even though he's had this catalog that's been pretty sparkling overall. He's just never had the impact and influence that I feel like he should have. So, with that being said, he's had a phenomenal career under the radar. But because this is a Hall of Fame and influence goes so far, I'm going to have to give him a no. And that's not because he isn't talented, because he's probably one of the most talented names that we've mentioned so far. But he just misses out on the influence category. Hmm. You know what? You made a good point. Sorry, Kyle. Um, All of his albums are actually pretty good. I'm looking back at them. I can't say he has any, like, poor album you know he doesn't which is impressive but on the other hand he doesn't have that standout album no and I agree. if you mention if you ask a fan like what is the the eric benet song they'll probably say the spending my life with you song okay what's the standout album i don't know what yeah. album was that song on i don't know see he doesn't have that yeah. signature hit that kind of just he can hang his hat on and that hurts him you know what, though? I think, I mean, I agree with both of you guys, but the one thing that stands out to me, Tom, what you said, it, it's like his discography isn't finished yet. We talk about this Hall of Fame, and we talk about artists who started out strong, and when we look at them in 2017, it's just like, man, I wish they were still doing what they were doing back in the 90s. I'm talking about you, Brian McKnight, but Oh, Eric my Binet goodness. Is, Leave Brian true, McKnight though. alone. <laughs> no, he ain't. I heard no lie. I heard no lie there. Continue, Kyle. But Eric Benet is that one artist where even to this day, when you go to buy an Eric Benet album, whatever he's putting out, it's still going to be quality. And some of that is because of his voice and how strong it is. But he's been consistent. Um, consistency gets you far, and it does give you a good place in this Hall of Fame. I think the other part of it is 
And what's remarkable to me, with this consistency, it's allowed him to develop a fan base overseas, like in Japan. We might not appreciate him this a lot in North America, but once you go to Japan, man, Eric Benet has fans for days over there. And that's nothing to downplay, especially when we consider the fact that he didn't have that much mainstream success in North America. So to be able to take that, bring it over to Japan, I'm not sure how his fan base is in Europe. So DJ Sochow is going to have to fill us in on that one. But, <laughs> I mean, that that's nothing to downplay. Like, to have international success without even being a crossover artist, that's, that's tough. I mean, but he doesn't really have that memorable album. And that's, that's what's not allowing me to put him in the, into this Hall of Fame. So I'm going to have to go with no, but it's, it's close. I, I think it's just so awesome that, you know, as we've seen so many artists just fall off and lose any idea of what exactly they should be putting out as far as music, he just stays consistent and just keeps putting out good albums. I wish so many other artists would follow that same blueprint and be able to do that. Unfortunately, there's very few nowadays, but he's one of them. And I remember saying this in probably one of my more recent reviews of his albums. He always, even though the albums continue to evolve, he doesn't lose sight of himself. He's not one of these artists who have been around for 10, 15 years that, oh, I guess I got to get on this trap song. Oh, let me do this trendy thing. He keeps his sound fresh. He doesn't sound stale. Yet, he still... If you're an Eric Benet fan, you know what you're going to get, and he gives it to you. He doesn't switch the game up, and I like that he is consistent, and he gives his fans what he wants. And it shows, because if you're an Eric Benet fan, you love him, and he gives you every right to Mm-hmm. So, really today, no Hall of Fame inductions. The great Janet Jackson, no relation to... Um, who's another Jackson? That's not Michael or Tito. Mahalia? I guess. But anyways, related to Michael and Tito, <laughs> Janet Jackson is not in. Neither is Eric Benet. Ed, one last question for you about Eric Benet. You didn't induct him into the Hall of Fame, right? No. Does the fact that he lost Halle Berry have anything to do with that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I am not looking at who you who is on your ex um, list. When this Hall of Fame things goes down, my list is pure as the driven snow player. Y'all are the ones with your biased list with your Ashantis and whatnot. Nelly needs to be in the R&B Hall of Fame just for that. Nelly needs to be locked up somewhere. Wow, oh, man. I still have not forgiven him for the 10 years in 2000 that he put me through. Oh, I'm so glad y'all grew out of him. And I can't wait till you grow out of future. <laughs> All right, uh, Tom. Do you, do you did you have anything prepared for the love letter, for Ed? No, I know we we had a time constraint for this one, so I figure we're, we're right about that time. So I didn't want to roll one out this time around. Well, can I do one just for today? Yeah, if we have time, go for it. All right, Ed. So we can make this a quick one, but this is one that we want to talk okay. about. Okay. This comes from. Um, I think she's actually talking about me in this song, but I could be wrong. Um, she said, See, my days are cold without you, but I'm hurting while I'm with you. And though my heart can take no more, I keep on running back to you. What is she to do, Ed? What is poor Ashanti to do when I'm treating her like this? Oh, God. 
I think the first thing she can do is to like look at the palm of her hand, then open it up as wide as she can, like as wide as she can, so you can she can feel the the skin on her hand stretching, and then at about seven hundred miles an hour, lay it across your face, Ooh. and then I think we will all feel very happy because I know I will. I will get lots of gratification from that. Man, but what is a girl to do? when she can't decide. First of all, I don't know how these ladies get themselves in this kind of situation. If you can't decide, player, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to decide. You can't, like... If you are with someone who is clearly putting you through drama, that's clearly not a healthy relationship. And it's easy for me to say when I'm sitting over here with my comfortable relationship. But if you are being put through something that is tearing you apart inside, you can't keep looking at the two or three times three weeks ago where it was all nice and cool so let me remember that if the bads outweigh the goods because every relationship will have its bads if the bads outweighs the goods you need to get to stepping also you need to slap Kyle because that's just a requirement and that ladies and gentlemen is how Ashanti was influenced to write the remix of that unfoolish And also found a biggie verse somehow. But, uh. Um, Unfoolish is a word I would never use to describe Kyle. Only foolish. <laughs> um, anyways, that appears to be it for this week's uh, podcast. Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? As we mentioned a little earlier today, make sure you check out the site if you're a fan of Prodigy because we have a great tribute to Prodigy up on the site. So, my Mob Deep fans, go check that out and show your boy some love. Also, Stokely's album, one of my favorites of the year so far. We've got a review of that on the site, so go to Soul and Stereo and see that. And we are a few hours away, as of this recording, from the annual BET Awards. Now, one of the biggest, kind of most anticipated things on Soul and Stereo every year is my recap of the BET Awards. So, I have had a long week. I traveled to Chicago. I've been all over the place, so your boy is tired, so... Just for you, I am going to soldier on and watch this seven-hour train wreck. So by the time this goes up, you should see on Soul and Stereo a review of the BET Awards. So if you were smarter than me and don't watch it, which I wish I couldn't do, but I do for the love of you, check out the site and see what you missed. Probably not. Dope. Now, Tom, I know not much is going on with You Know I Got So right now just because it's rather slow, but... In, 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 to replace that part I have a question I forgot to mention this earlier I know we're running a little late but I have to ask this this is from one of our readers Nicolette she asked what did she say a lot of Tamiya albums got released the same year as game changing slash classic albums her debut album dropped the same year as the miseducation of Lauren Hill and the between friend album with uh, which she called a five-star classic, dropped the same year as Beyonce's B-Day album and Justin Timberlake's Future Sex Love Sound album. Hypothetically, if those albums didn't drop at the same times that hers did, would we be having a different conversation about putting her into the Hall of Fame? I say no. What? But... What? That's a phenomenal. No, question. no, no. That doesn't change the quality of the music. I mean, the quality we, is I'll... good, but. I, I guess you're saying is, she would have had more impact. 
Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I think what she. I think what she's. Yeah, I think what she's saying is because I remember in '98, and I've talked about this before. I probably would give that first album five stars. It's been a while since I've listened to it, so I have to listen to it again. But when you drop in between '98, where it had wall-to-wall classics like every other month, it's easy to get overlooked. So I think what she's saying is if that dropped in a time where there was more breathing room so she could get some more eyeballs and ears on the album, would it have be would it be remembered more fondly? And I it's a I mean, we can't say for sure, but she has a definite point about her biggest albums being dropped at a time where it was very, very crowded. I agree with that totally. No, I totally disagree and I'll tell you why. Tamia has been married since 1999. I've never seen anything out of her that showed me she wanted to be the biggest star out there. She hasn't really toured religiously like many artists have. She's not always in the spotlight like many artists are. She has a family. She's had kids. So to me, she never wanted all that. I mean, maybe she could have gone harder for it and and achieved those heights. But to me, I think she decided I'm going to be a wife and I'm going to put you know, being the biggest superstar out there for my career. You know, she still had a great career. The music's been great. Oh, but. No, I'm with you guys, too. Like, the, the latter point, what she made was about the Between Friends album being released at the same time as Justin Timberlake's Future Sex Love Sounds. I think it's two different audiences. Um, so even if Justin didn't put that album out, and, I mean, we all acknowledge that the Between Friends album is a great album, so... I don't, uh, from an impact standpoint, I can't really see how that would have altered, you know, how everything came about afterwards. Like, I don't know. I, I, I disagree with her, with what she's trying to say, but, I mean, it is a really good question. And you bring I up that really legit good question. Who brings up these really good questions in the final minute of a podcast? I know, I'm sorry. Well, the same guy who's trying to get Ashanti's phone number in 2017. <laughs> this is what we deal with. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, until next week when we'll talk about the TLC album, we're going to have to take a week break. And uh, you guys, all the listeners out there, you guys leave your comments and ask more thoughtful questions, and we'll be glad to answer them. Um, Tom, is there anything that needs to be added for you, Noigato, or are you good? No, I think we're good. I mentioned the Soul Village thing in the beginning, so that was pretty much it. Cool. And then for me, uh, all the Tamartian... Tay Martian's listening out there. Please forgive me about what I said about her singing earlier. Um, I was on one at the time, and I think she needs to sing even more. <laughs> Kyle is out of here. Oh, please. Uh, no, right. don't ever forgive him for the truth. Uh, all right, I'm out of here. Peace out, guys. All Peace. right.